We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Awabakal and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Awabakal and Wanarua elders, both past and present. Now Andrew Johns. Sights a little hole himself. He's close to reaches and that's a title, Andrew Johns. Root streak from the little halfback. And that's a good reward for a great game. It is a boom match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew Johns scores the try and that should wrap it up for the Knights. Recorded live on Awabakal and Wanarua lands, but listened to, recorded by everyone else, this is the Bay 53 podcast, part of the Sports Best Friends podcasting network, brought to you by our major sponsor, A-plus Contracting and Polywelding. Your hosts are Bretto and the K-Dog, Knights fans from the Supporters Bay 53 at McDonald Jones Stadium, home of the mighty Newcastle Knights. You better believe that we went and soaked up every ounce of enjoyment at the All-Stars game over the weekend. And as usual, the game gave us lots to talk about. So sit back, relax, pop the podcast app onto play, and let's get going. Bretto, if you didn't enjoy All-Stars game day, you're either dead inside or a Dragons fan. How good was it? I was sensational, mate. And um, yeah, even Dragons fans might have enjoyed it, I think. One, oh, 100%. You, you, if you, all you needed was a pulse to just um, just feel a part of it on Saturday. Yeah, no, the the atmosphere was amazing, mate. I've never um I've never sort of sat in amongst that many sort of fans for going for the one team, you know, when you're not sort of sitting with Donald Jones and it was a great atmosphere. So that stadium really sort of keeps the noise inside, which is great. We're obviously going to talk about the game in a fair bit um, later on the pod, and I promise you we will get to it. I, despite my habit of um, promising uh, conversation topics that don't uh, arise, but I think it was just the general atmosphere in terms of the people that were there in the stands, you felt like everybody was your best friend, no matter who you bumped into. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Everyone just wanted to chat. Everyone was in a good mood. It was a bit of a party atmosphere, which is what you want all the time, especially in preseason. Uh, and speaking, and, and as I said, even even um, uh, sports best friends uh, network members we were bumping into, we had a moment to have a chat with uh, Jacko Martin about um, not just that game, but last season, this season. It, it, it was uh, it was like a mini magic, the uh, mini magic round carnival for football. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and yeah, Jacko in his vintage Penrith jersey. Oh, how good up. was it? Looking splendid. I really didn't like that jersey. It's quite, it's quite ugly in a nice way. Oh but, no! Look, when it comes to ugly, ugly and nice, you and I know all about that. <laughs> um, now, uh, you and I were there with, and obviously with your family um, and another Bay Fifty Three attendee, my cousin Thor, who, if everybody sticks with us uh, during the season, they're probably going to get to see uh, a little bit of his um, sort of interactions and content. Uh, throughout the year but i've got to share a story i've got to share this story with you um fredo thor is he's a mad knights fan probably more passionate than i am he he lives in sydney drives up and down the freeway every weekend for for home game day um he was a member before i was uh and so he absolutely loves the knights now a couple of years ago and funnily enough it was i'm pretty sure it was for the one win season uh he'd moved over to Canada, kept his membership, kept paying for it, held his seat, um, 
but he he still managed to sort of follow the games wherever he could. Unfortunately, he'd sort of uh, follow the Knights games as well, and his missus <laughs> sort of reached the point where she's like, just just don't tell me. I, I don't want to know anymore. Anyway, so he also managed to sort of keep watching, um, or he'd make an effort to watch State of Origin games as well. Anyway, he's telling me the other day, he says, oh, there was this one night. He said, we were having real bad um, internet issues. And, of course, you've got to remember, if you're watching over in Canada, um, it's like the early hours of the morning. So Thor's telling me how he's grabbing his mobile phone and walking down to the McDonald's behind uh, his uh, room, uh, behind his apartment, and he's logging into their free Wi-Fi so that he can watch State of Origin. And then he's finishing up and he says, yeah, because it was the morning, the game would be over. I came back with breakfast. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's the most so, Thor story ever. Oh, it's just him to a T, making the best of the circumstances as they sort of present. And um, he's just mad for rugby league and mad uh, mad for the Knights. So, um, But anyway, look, let's, um, Bretto, let's get straight into it. We don't want to uh, waste too much time. There's always lots to talk about, whether it's Knights, whether it's All-Stars. Uh, let's get straight into some breaking news. Bretto. Barry Tui, despite being retired, will tell you, Milford in, Lukey out. Yeah, that's a, um, you know, the, the Milford news was a was a sort of bit of an uplift, you know. Um, whatever you think of Milford, he's, you know, he's a, definitely a positive option. But, yeah, we all sort of thought we had Lukey in the bag, didn't we? I um, I didn't realise he had an exception. I thought they were more quibbling over whether or not he was going to come this year or next year. I actually didn't realise that we didn't have him signed in some form. So this was a very big surprise to me. Yeah, that, I, was, I was the same. I, I, I knew the end signed a contract, but I thought it was all done and dusted. And I was just, yeah, whether we'd get it this year or not. And it's gone from that to, because I think only a couple of weeks ago, someone had asked Barry um, with if Lukey was going to stay. And he's like, I oh, know he's still going to come. And then, yeah, two weeks later, it's all, it's all gone to shit. Cowboys have upped their offer. Um, you can't blame a young player for wanting to sort of stay home uh, on a little bit of better coin. Uh, is this a bit of a da- is this a dagger to the Knights in terms of their reputation, or is this just one of those things that happens with young players? It's just one of those things. Like Townsville to Newcastle is two thousand kilometres, so obviously our money that we offered him was blew the Cowboys out of the water initially. And they've they've um, played with the figures and come back with a more competitive offer and good luck to the kid. Like no one really wants to move two thousand kilometres and he's happy there. Well, of course he's going to stay if the money's competitive. Uh, where do the knights go now? Then we've got we've got four positions or four spots on the top thirty left. It looks like um, Milford is sort of penciled in for one of those spots, and uh, we do uh, immediately um, remember that. Um, his court case is still on foot, so you know we don't know what's going to happen there. Um, but it looks like there's about three three spots that we need to keep looking at. Yeah, well, Edric Lee will probably fill one of those, assuming nothing drastic happens over the next few weeks. So that'll leave two. And as we said previously, the Knights always like to keep one up their sleeve, just in case. Um, I think that they're still looking for that back rower. It's the one hole. It's the one glaring hole in our team. We don't have a tackle busting, rampaging. You know, 110 kilo uh, Polynesian lad on the edge, which, <laughs> which a lot of the top sides do, and you and you kind of need because 
they just produce tries out of absolutely nothing. And a lot of times, you know, when the attack's looking flat, they can just run over a bloke, whether it's score themselves or draw two in and offload and set someone over. And, yeah, obviously the club know that's what we need, and I think that's what they're going to go looking for. But the market's pretty dry, but you never know what's going to turn up, do you? Um, I know he's not 110 kilos and just barging over blokes left, right and centre, but wasn't Ty- like Tyson Fazell, isn't he sort of that barnstorming back rower that we'd had penciled in to do that role? Well, that's what he sort of came to the club as, but I, I don't know whether last year, because he had a few leg injuries and stuff last year, whether that just stopped it. But he didn't really offer that, and um, but we really he doesn't he doesn't have that strong um, ball running offload game, which um, Lukey does, and a few Cowboys guys do, and um, mainly do with the big ladder kind of thing with that top, top of my head. Um, yeah, but Tyson certainly offers plenty of that, and, and that's why you know that we don't get that type of player this year. It doesn't really matter, but we certainly need it you know, down the track. Um, Bruno, one player that we're definitely not getting is uh, James Seguiaro. I think we forgot to mention last week. He's um, signed up to is it the, is it Blacktown Workers? It is Blacktown Workers. Uh, feeder club for the Manly Sea Eagles. Good move for for Chico. Oh, it's a great move for Chico because no one else wanted him. Um, I don't think it's a good move for Manly. I think that um, yeah, he doesn't offer a lot. I, I personally would have kept Gabe Kelsey over Sea. We've um, we've obviously been um, looking for a hooker since Jaden Braley went down. Um, that hooker, it appears, isn't going to be a chicker. Um, you and I have been pumping the tyres a little bit of uh, Chris the Chad Randall, and um, it sounds like we're not, or at least it's come out today, we're not the only people that, um, that have got uh, a big rap on the young fella to um, fill in for the hooking spot for the Knights. No, the greatest man, the greatest man of all time has a big rap sonning. And, yeah, Joey talked him up and said that he's the fittest in the club and he's a he's a walk-up start if needed. Uh, Bretto, actually, we were sort of discussing a bit before the pod. Um, Chad had a bit of a reputation before sort of first grade NRL level for just being that fitness freak tackle machine um gun at uh, at hooker so to people in the know this really isn't much of a surprise no no he's he certainly um he certainly had a reputation in the local competition as you know a solid a solid ball player off the ground but yeah just a tackling machine and could run all day yeah he, he was penciled in for 80 minutes every week and if any finals or anything went extra time, he'd, he'd play those minutes too. He um, he certainly fit enough to play to play NRL. Um, we all sort of doubted maybe you had the skills, but there's no doubt when you got Bedsy and Joey and stuff working on you, well, you're going to certainly improve those skills pretty quickly. With that in mind, does that soften the Brayley blow? It does. If he can be, he doesn't need to be Brayley, but he's he's um. He's certainly the the the, the Braley like player. You know, he's the workhorse in the middle. He has you know pretty good skills off the ground, and if he can be eighty percent of Braley, I think that really does help us for the next three months. Yeah, I I tend to agree with that, and um, I mean it's as we were talking about last on last week's show, um, as mentioned by uh, Nagy, formerly of the Joust. If you think about the performances that Chad Randall has actually put in his NRL game. It's not like they're that bad. It's it's not like you sort of look at them and go, oh, you had a good game, but geez, you had a shocker following. Like, 
It's been solid, if not spectacular. So there's definitely potential there moving forward. Oh yeah, he he's 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 better than a lot of than oh, a lot of the road. He's better than some of the guys that are starters in the, at the NRL. He makes his tackles. He doesn't make errors. And yeah, he doesn't really help you in attack in terms of you know he's not cutting teams up through the middle, but he's not making mistakes. He's finding the right man. He, he can hit a, a long pass off the ground under someone's chest. And yeah, like as a, as a backup option, he's he's really solid. And it's as you said, mistake free. That's actually the term that sort of comes to mind. Not necessarily the way we have been playing under O'Brien, but it's the type of football I think he wants us to play. He needs us to play for the style of um, footy that he wants to implement at Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. He's he's about a possession based game. He's about you know wearing teams down, finding weaknesses, and then going after them. And that's all we need from Chad. We we need him to yeah make his tackles not make errors with the ball, pick out the right man, and when Kalen calls for it, give it to him. When everyone calls for when whenever K, KP calls for it, whoever has the ball, that should be giving it to him. Bretto, um, Milford wants to come to town. You mentioned before that um, if you're Chad Randall and you're working under the likes of Danny Badiris and Andrew Johns, you'll, you're bound to flourish. Those two issues combined, halves working with greats, they actually sort of popped up, popped up as an issue in the Knights HQ latest podcast episode with um, Blake Green and uh, our great, great mate, uh, Adam Clune. Have you had a chance to listen to that as yet? I have had a good listen to it, mate, and it's a real, really enlightening, um, yeah, Adam's enthusiasm for the Knights and the club and being coached by Joey just fills you with confidence, doesn't it? He wants he wants the seven. He, he does. He, 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 yeah. He, he, he hasn't come he here. He has not come here to be the Robin to anybody's Batman. He's 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 come here and he said, "Well, hopefully, I'm I'm taking the field in number seven. So he's not here for a he's not here for a holiday. No, he when he took over from Ben Hunt last year and led the Dragons to a few victories. I think that then cemented his mind that he's a first grade standard halfback, and he's just going on with that. And obviously, um, Joey's helping helping him sort of rock, smooth the rough edges. And yeah, he wouldn't he wouldn't have came here if he didn't want to be playing first grade, and that's one of the reasons why I'm sure he left the Dragons because he knew Ben Hunt had the seven jersey locked up. Um, I think my favourite part of the pod, you know, I'm a sucker for the uh, uh, sorry, a sucker for the emotional stuff. I, I love a good sob story. Um, he spoke directly to my soul when he was talking about being in tears, copying it. Um, when the Knights had lost a game to the Cowboys, who his brother was supporting, Mate, that's passion. That's that's the passion you want in Newcastle. That's what we've all been through, isn't it? You know, that, that's what being a fan, <laughs> that's what being a fans all about. That's what being a Knights fans all about. Me and you were quite lucky in that when we were children, the Knights were good. <laughs> but I've but I've seen the, the tears my boys have shed over the over the recent years. Um. Look, we, we've said it from, from day one, and we're maintaining it uh, until we uh, hear or see otherwise. Get on board the Looney Clunes bandwagon. I'm telling you, Adam is here um, to to help us out. I think he's going to do a great job. And uh, I'm just – this guy hasn't said anything that I don't like yet, and he, he doesn't seem to have had a put, uh, put a foot wrong. He just seems to be making the right moves and the right noises at this stage. Yeah, time will tell whether he's actually good enough, but he's certainly got the right attitude, and that's a great start. I thought um, 
I thought Blake Green sort of added a few interesting uh, elements just in terms of transitioning from a player to a coach. Uh, obviously, you know, there was the back and forth there with the women's team as well. Like they, they sort of had to do that a bit on the fly. Blake sounds like he has the intellect as well as the teaching ability to make that transition from player to coach. Yeah, and even as a player, you, you could always tell that he was a guy that if you wanted to become a coach, he could because he was limited physically, but jeez, yeah. he read a game well. Yeah, and he absolutely read a game well, which is why he had so much success. And it's why, you know, he just plugged into really good players, uh, into really good teams and played beside, you know, other players and just compliment, compliment all their weaknesses. Oh, sorry, strengthen all their weaknesses, compliment all their attributes. And that's what he'll be as a coach. And it was actually interesting to hear him very sort of um, openly admitting he wasn't the fastest bloke to um, begin, player to begin with. And once he came back from the ACL injury, he just lost too much speed that he couldn't compensate for anymore. And uh, he knew he was done. Yeah, he couldn't move sideways. You know, we all seen as soon as he came back. Right. He, he just literally couldn't move sideways. A, a guy had put on a half a jink and he didn't get nowhere near him. And at least Blake, you know, had had the uh, the intestinal fortitude to say, no, nah, I'm done and walk away. Bretto, it, it wouldn't be an off-season uh, for Knights fans if there wasn't some sort of roller coaster journey along the way. The roller coaster continues to experience its ups and its downs. But, look, I, I sort of feel uh, touch wood after the Braley incident that the, we're sort of back on that upward trajectory towards uh, round one, at least for the men's team. And, um, yeah, so far, so good. Yeah, the off-season, you know, obviously the Bradley incident, but the off-season series have gone pretty well, considering, you know, we had we had the COVID shutdown where the whole facility got shut down. But the, uh, the off-season seems to have built nicely and ready for a trial next week. But, yeah, it's all signs around the club are pretty positive at the moment, which is great. I'm no expert. I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of Rugby League or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's Tees. Bredo, we got some um, really good reactions to uh, our, um, our last, one of our last episodes. Um, in particular, uh very, very good friend of the pod. And you and I were actually quite honoured when he sort of um, reached out to us or, you know, first of all, listened to us, um, but then wanted to share his thoughts. Uh, the great Liam McNeil, uh, co-host of The uh, the Joust, one of the all-time great icons of uh, Newcastle Entertainment, mate, he was fired up in, in respect of a lot of things that we had to say about the Knights, uh, the way they're represented in the media, um, you know, looking at uh, our squad. Um, it was great to hear. It was great to read that passion. Mate, I love Liam on the Joust. Like, he's such an insightful fella. He really understands the game and he understands the club really well. And that came through in those um, comments. Even though he's on the other side of the world, he really, he really sort of still gets how this all operates. Well, he's in Canada as well. It's something about rugby league fans in Canada. It brings out the best in them. Mate, I um, let, look. Let's we, we're going to deconstruct Liam McNeil to a, a little bit tonight. We're going to just jump straight into his feedback. 
So I'll, I'll read you his first um, uh, Twitter sort of spiel to us. A couple of um, dear, sorry, at Bay 53 pod, a couple of thoughts from today's episode. Thought the first, the state of rugby league journalism is at an all time low. Unfounded rumor mongering, baseless innuendo and opinion dressed up as news has led to an absolute cesspool of misinformation and clickbait rubbish. This is compounded by the fact that Newcastle has always been largely ignored by the traditional rugby league media. This leads to the situation where we have Fox League staff writers who know nothing of our players other than their name on a sheet, as you mentioned. Mate, that's um, that's uh, not. there's nothing there that you and I disagree with. I oh, know. That's all just straight fact. Straight fact. Actually, if he was a rugby league journalist, he'd get kicked out because he tells too much truth. He um he he goes on and look I I will spend the rest of the show sort of reading uh, reading out the rest of this thread but he, you know he he was particularly fired up about the fact that our pack is underrated despite the fact that we have a a former um, kangaroo starting from the bench and then he's pointing out there's not a single word we're told that we lack depth and they haven't said, uttered a single word about these two English young guns Bailey Young uh, sorry Bailey Hodgson and Dom Young who were waiting in the wings to get a crack at first grade. Because the reality is, mate, that no rugby league journalist has seen a reserve grade game in 20 years. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I'm sure they know a little bit about those guys. And obviously, Dom's plays the first grade, so they know that. But there's clear, they've clearly done no scouting. They've clearly had no interest in these two young kids. But to me, that's, that's the perfect illustration of not just the way they treat rugby league, the way they treat the Knights. Like, if those two young guys would come to the Roosters with the reputation they've left England with, we would have had 87 stories before they even got off the plane. You sort of – I want to talk a little bit about David Clemmer because, for better or worse, unfortunately, Clem is starting to get a bit of the reputation that he's washed up. You know, he came to Newcastle, he's pushed to the bench. Uh, Liam points out here, Clemmer was still fifth for the year for post-contact metres across the NRL. It's hardly washed. Yeah, and, and that was, you know, after he'd had a few sort of knee niggles and stuff, you know, he sort of still still was really solid. Like, I don't, I do not understand the narrative that Clem's washed up. Yeah, he's not the starting prop anymore, and as a bench prop, he's probably getting overpaid. But he's still a top-tier prop, just because we've got two young guys that haven't haven't um, gone past him in terms of their output, but have gone past him in terms of that's how Adam O'Brien wants to start his start his games. Mm. That does not affect Clem still plays fifty minutes a game at least. When he's needed he'll play seventy. To me he's still an elite property, still, you know, probably half a good season away from being back in the origin team. Bretto, Liam's um spent a fair few um uh, comments here, essentially undermining the idea that the the media sort of want to give us a fair go. Mate, I don't care if you use one eye, half an eye, no eye. You can go in blind. Do you think the media give the Newcastle Knights a fair crack? No chance in the world do we get a fair crack from the media. Now, we've done some of that to ourselves. Like, we won't rate in the yeah, media because agreed. we've been awful. Now, that's understandable. Yep. But even back in, in the golden era, we, we still didn't get a fair go. We were underestimated every year. Every year we were the sort of, you know, we were the team that were good but not great, which you could possibly say that was the, the correct take for a few years. But we were in the elite three or four sides for, what, six or seven years, and we still didn't get a fair shake. It will never change. Newcastle's the little brother, 
and the media will always look past us. We finished top four three years in a row, uh, 2000, 2001, 2002. I think we were perennial finalists. I think I think Andrew Johns only missed the finals maybe three or four times in, in seasons that he finished. Um, I don't think anybody doubts that we were a powerhouse at the end of the 90s, early 2000s, but I do agree with you in terms of you always got the feeling it was chicken little with the Knights. Like the sky was always falling in, according to the media, no matter what we did, no matter which way we turned. So I, I joined the Navy not long after the 97 grand final. So I spent a lot of those late 90s, early 2000s out of Newcastle. I, you know, I'd come back when I had a chance. You know, I, I went to most finals games when I was around. I made the 2001 grand final, obviously. But it took a lot of effort for me to find any information on how we were going, you know, injuries and stuff. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd get the little clips on TV. The pay TV was sort of around a little bit, but you sort of weren't seeing enough where I was. Um, like even the 97 uh, grand final, like I'd seen the game, obviously, during the Navy a few weeks later. And it wasn't until it came out on video that I actually got to watch it again because the rest of the country doesn't know rugby league exists. And Channel 9 weren't promoting it. Like, I guarantee you if Manly won that grand final, Channel 9 would have showed that replay another 10 times. It, it was frustrating. Bretto, I don't think you and I are the types that want to sit here and go, oh, rugby league media, please give us a pat on the back. I, I, I genuinely don't care if they rate us or not. This, but the reason I get worked up over the media representation is that players are not stupid. They listen to this stuff. And if you say things long enough, they will start to believe it. And so what starts to happen is they cause the unrest amongst our, amongst our players, regardless of what they say in public, it has to affect them. But what then simultaneously happens is the media paint us as if we're this basket case of a club. And I agree with you. In a lot of cases, we've brought that upon ourselves. But what it starts to do is make us an even less attractive option to potential recruits when it's already hard enough for us to get the good quality players here. Yeah, yeah. They do no, no um, favours for us when it comes to recruiting. We really do struggle. And people say, oh, you know, it's hard to get guys out of Sydney, and that's true. But the main reason why it's hard to get guys out of Sydney to come to Newcastle, because essentially in their eyes, they're going to fall off the face of the earth. Yes. You know, and, and, and that's the issue. And it's not just it's not just the fact the media don't care about us. They care about us because we drive clicks, because, you know, we're a club that gets talked about a lot and we drive clicks. So they write stories on us, but they're negative. You know, the, the Brownie firing still up still annoys me because – KP's line was, I didn't really pay much attention, I was having a nice job in Bookshake. He's just been an idiot. He's been a kid and said something he probably shouldn't have said. But that got carried, that got made out like he'd stabbed Brownie and sat back and watched the corpse, you know, mm. get dismembered while he was drinking on chocolate milkshake like he was in fucking basic instinct or something. Very much so. Very much so. It's, um, mate, I, I, mate, I couldn't have done a better segue if I tried. That is the perfect way to move on to, uh, to Liam's second point, where he actually was talking about the fact that for all the expectations of everybody having us in the bottom four, it's almost like us winning five out of our last seven games and, and coming within eight points of getting one over the eels. It's almost like that didn't happen. 
Now, uh, again, this is Liam at Bay53Pod on Twitter. Thought the second. Something that buoyed my spirits at the end of last year is that, yes, it wasn't a season with many good performances, a couple of ugly performances, and some losses we really shouldn't have lost. We all look back on it as a below-average to middling season, but we still made the finals. If a bad season sees us finishing seventh, I'm very excited to see where we'll finish if we can put together a good season. There's talks of Adam O'Brien being under pressure despite making the finals two years in a row, and I think that's great for the club. Nathan Brown had no expectations to make finals, and we just went along with it. Putting pressure on a coach who's made the finals two years in a row as a club that recently won three spoons is a really positive sign. Mate, I could have written that. I'm so on board with that entire sentiment. It's ridiculous. We've made the finals twice since 2013. Guess who was the coach? It's it wasn't. Ridiculous. It wasn't. Look, it, it wasn't Nathan Brown. And look, you know, this is our fourth episode. Every, everything in Newcastle is um, is polarizing. Perhaps none more so than Nathan Brown. Let's let's talk about him. Let's talk about Brownie. All right. Let's let's just have a conversation and discuss why we feel about him the the way that we sort of do and why we think that the way he was treated in the media has a big say on the way we feel that Adam O'Brien should be treated in the media. Bretto? So let's let's go back to how it all started. So Nathan Brown gets the job. The Knights are an absolute mess. Brownie comes in and says, sorry, fans, this is going to be painful. You're going to lose a lot of games. We're going to clear our cap. We're going to start again. This is how it's going to be. So the Newcastle fan base went, right, our brownie. We're sick of this crap where we're, you know, we're good for one year and crap for three. Let's just do it. Everyone was on board. The media were on board. You know, this was going to be the project. The Knights were sort of, you know, a bit of a bit of a fairy tale team because of quail and stuff being involved. We all gave Brownie a chance. That's not the issue. The issue is that that never changed after three years of still no success. The same narrative was thing. The Knights were going to be a fairy tale. Brownie's the man to do it. And eventually that gets tiresome. There's no rebuilds in rugby league that need to last longer than two years. There's no one win rebuild in rugby league. Correct. I am the first to admit I was wholeheartedly, 100% passionately behind what Nathan Brown wanted to do in Newcastle. It ultimately boiled down to one thing and one thing only as to why I felt he, we deserved better than that. And it was the simple fact that he told us to expect to lose. You never, say, you never say that. You, you, should, you should just never be saying it. Say it in your brain. Say it in the sheds. But you should never be coming out saying, we're expecting to lose. How many times did he go onto Fox and tell the story about how after we'd copped the nose pasting off someone, Betsy goes, oh, but things are going to get better, aren't they, Brownie? And, and then Brownie was so proud. He said, oh, no, they're not dead. These guys are too inexperienced. This is how it's going to be. He told that story repeatedly. He told a great of the club, a, a, a guy that bled red and blue, a guy that would die for this rugby league club. Sorry, mate, your club's going to lose, and that's and you've just got to cop it. No, nah, I can't have that, eh? Brownie um, has. Can I? I'm just. That's it. Like I'm, I'm not going to go on the, the rant that I, I sort of feel, but people call me a brownie hater. 
mate, I went to 50-something straight games through that entire brownie period in terms of home games and probably went to at least half, half of the away games. I supported Brownie through and through. I loved a lot of those guys that played in those teams. I loved Brownie for the first few years, but Brownie reached his limit. In year four, we were going backwards. That That's can't, right. That yeah. can't continue in amateur sport. It certainly can't continue in professional sport. Yeah. I, there's no way in God's known earth would we have made the finals the last two years if Nathan Brown was still a coach. Brett, I, I, I did mention... Uh, uh, Boom rookies on the last episode, and I'm going to do it again because mate, one day I'd love to uh, create some of the good content um, that they sort of have a habit of doing. But the crystallising moment for me in deconstructing Nathan Brown was when Mitch said he said that we were just he said the Knights are going to just lose, and he would just sit there and watch us watch them lose. And he's like, "Well, my grandmother could do that, and she could probably do it for cheaper. Anybody can do that." That is not a coach's job to sit there and watch the team lose. In a 16-team salary cap non-draft competition, every coach, every player, every organization's goal should be go out there to to win. We're not losing for draft. We weren't losing for draft picks. And if you're losing for experience, that's not the experience I want my players getting. No, like if we'd got if we if we'd gone out there. And in that 2016 season, maybe had three wins, you know, and then obviously we progressed to six or seven wins the year after and went like that. Everyone would have been on board. Everyone would have stayed on board. But because Nathan Brown hap, hap, happily lost is not right. I'm sure he did enjoy losing. But he happily enjoyed the fact there was no pressure on him and he was not going to put pressure on himself by saying we need to win soon. Because we, as fans, like players will come and go, okay? Coaches will come and go. But you and I, we're, we're, we're supporting this team until the day we die. And we're the ones that have, we have to live with a one-win season. We could win the next 10 premierships in a row, but we'll still be the club that had a one-win, a one-and-a-half-win season in the NRL. So, anyway, look, you and I obviously feel very passionate about Brownie. I actually don't want to turn this into a into a Browning bashing sesh. But th- that's, that's the background to where Liam is coming from when he's like, We've got a club with expectations now. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing, but it's something that needs to be recognised. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This club now expects to win, expects to improve, expects to be not just finalists, but a team that can go deep into the finals. Adam O'Brien understands that, and he's taken that on his shoulders. That's the difference. Nathan Brown, to me, was the right man at the time. He was not, He would not be the right man for the way the club is at the moment. Look, and look, we said it's going to be a, a polarising issue. You know, for the um, for anyone who's listening, please send us your comments. Okay, uh, Bredo and I, we speak from a place where we care about the club. We want the best for the club. We know not everybody um, agrees with us when it comes to Nathan Brown. So give us your thoughts. Okay, don't abuse us for them, but let us know what you think. We know that that period in Knights history was a very uh, heated, a very emotional. Um, a very passionate um, few years for for Knights Faithful. But we, we want to know your thoughts on them. So um, at Bay53Pod, uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, let us know what you're thinking. Brownie, uh, sorry, <laughs> Bredo, 
Off the back. I wish of I was Brown. Brownie. Jeez, I wish I wish I wish I had that long blonde hair when I was a kid. <laughs> Mate, off the back of Brownie, uh, a couple of uh, nuggets of gold though that did emerge from the Brown era, and he did do some good things. He did bring in some great players. He did yeah. sign Kalen Ponga. Uh, absolutely, his his recruiting was really good. There's no doubt about that. But. Other recruits, which probably don't get as much attention and we think probably deserve to get a bit more attention, are two players that uh, Liam agrees with us. At Bay53Pod, Thought the Third. I can't wait to see Edric Lee back outside Bradman Best. I'll never forget his first night's game in that round one match against the Sharks. He won us the damned game. That left wing spot is Tuala's to lose. And whether it's Edric or Dom Young, I can't see Tuala wrestling that jersey back if he loses it. Now, to be fair, you could put a pillowcase full of doorknobs on the wing outside of Bradman, and it'd still be our top try scorer easily. Mate, it sort of ties in a bit with this idea that we lack depth. You look at that scenario there, uh, I don't think we're lacking in depth when it comes to outside backs. No, no, absolutely not. Um, worst case scenario is that Tuala doesn't continue the solid form he's, he's been displaying the first couple of years at the club, and then what we bring in Edric Lee, and then Edric gets injured, then we bring in Dom Young. Like that's that's dream stuff for us. Some of the some of the things we've trotted out on the wings over the years, like that's dream stuff. And the left wing of the Knights is the dream position. You've got, mm. you got Pong at a best to, to put you over untouched. And scoring in front of Bay 53. That's exactly right. You get to score in front of Bay 53 and see K-Dog get naked. It's, it's great. Uh, tune in at Bay 53 uh, live Instagram feed. Uh, Bretto, let's go back to Edric's first game. And I put my hand up. I actually wasn't at that game. I was at home sick with laryngitis and I had to watch on the TV as this um, beautiful man is just sprinting up the field off the intercept to get us the win. Now, whether it's anecdotal, whether it's coincidental, you know, when Edric plays, we win. We just <laughs> he's, got a ph- he's got a phenomenal winning record for the 60, Knights. 60%, something, 60-something percent. His, his record is the, which is John's Andrew- life. Yeah, that's Andrew John's like. <laughs> and, like, I'm sure people are going to go, it's coincidence. And, yeah, it's mostly coincidence, but it's because he offers the one thing we, we don't have, which is solid kick returns. Yes. And a, tar- and a target for the crossover kick. Yes. Um, Remember the bath he gave David Nofalumer a couple of years ago? Like, he's a real weapon on that crossover kick, and we know Jake Clifford can produce it right where we, where we need it. And it's funny what you say about kick returns. Our back four or five last year, I think um, – were the worst, were some of the worst in the comp in terms yeah. of um, kick returns uh, throughout the season. Yeah, we, yeah, we, um, our kick returns are abysmal. And I remember at one stage there that we were literally last in terms of tries conceded from kicks versus tries scored from kicks. And we may have still remained last because I don't remember scoring many of them. Uh, Brett, I want to get on to Liam's uh, fourth point, but we have been talking a little bit about Liam for a while, so we might just take a quick break and uh, let everybody uh, catch their breath. You are listening to the Bay 53 Podcast. Bretto, you know that we love Liam when he comes out with fourth and final points, such as the following, at Bay 53 Pod. For, uh, thought the fourth. That's not easy to say. God forbid we appoint one of our best players and one who's been in the leadership group for some time as captain. Nope. It must be D 
desperate ploy to keep him away from the Dolphins, the All Blacks, the Brisbane Lions, and the PGA, Manchester United, and the same old shit that happens any time a player succeeds at Newcastle. Former colleague Nagy Nagwell spoken about this ad nauseum, but there's this weird complex Knights fans have, and that is driven by the NRL media that I love so much that we don't deserve the great players. We are the stepping stone to a better club or the retirement home after rep- after rep- retirement. We are a place for the troublemakers who need to be out of the Sydney bubble. They just won't let us have a great player and enjoy them without being reminded every second week that they're being courted by everyone in the comp and half a dozen sports elsewhere. Bredo, I reckon Liam should do a pod. Oh, yeah. yeah he, he makes some great points. Oh, he does. He does. He really needs to get those uh, thoughts down and recorded. The um, but he's spot on. He's spot on. You know, like the media don't want us to have Kalen. They want the narrative that Kalen wants to leave. They, they and I don't know whether it's a vindictiveness against the Knights or they just think to themselves because they're from Sydney. Oh, would anyone want to live in Newcastle and they can come and live in Sydney or live in Brisbane? Who knows? But it's dumb. Kalen enjoys it. He, as I've said previously, I don't think Kalen's going to play rugby league against us. He may he may get another sport down the years, but it's not going to be for a few years yet. And he should be the captain. He's the best player. And he deserves to be the captain. Paul the Chief Harrigan, Andrew Johns, Danny Badiris, Kurt Gidley. Kurt Gidley is the longest serving captain in the history of the Newcastle Knights. Our best player historically is our captain. Our best player is Kalen Ponga. It's it's actually not that controversial. It's no, and it's not even and, and it's not even like that Kalen's just the best player. If you're if you're tiering the Knights players, Kalen's on T one, and the next guy's on about T four, and that's Daniel Saifidi, who's a top tier elite um, representative player, but he's not in the stratosphere of what Kalen means to this club. If Kalen left tomorrow, we would go from finals contenders to bottom three in in an instant. We sort of come full circle, which I agree with. You know, I agree with that. We've sort of come a bit full circle in terms of we're back on the media again. The media, and I, I want to move on to our fans as well, because we've established that the media won't let us have anything nice. We know that that's what they're going to say about Newcastle in the media. As fan, as a fan base, do we need to grow up? Do we need to be more mature about it? It's very hard in, in the age of social media because you're slapped in the face of it all the time. Yes. You know, I, I get myself, find myself getting rolled up by that sort of stuff on social media. And I always think to myself, who cares what people say? Like, the club's not thinking that. Kalen's not yep. thinking that. You know, these are not things really, really happening in the in the actual world. But when you keep getting slapped in the face with it every day, it's, it's hard not to. I'm, I'm absolutely there with um, with what you say, especially when you're seeing hun- you know, hundreds of tweets about it today. It's like the first time Kalen's leaving, not so bad. The second time Kalen's leaving, it's not so bad. The 99th time Kalen's not so- leaving, it's not so bad. 100th time, okay, I'm annoyed now. It, it, it started before he got here, mate. How many stories were written by, especially the mole, that he wanted a backflip? Yes, yes. People forget this. It, it, start- it started within weeks of him actually signing the contract when he was still you know, over 12 months away from getting to the club. I want to talk a bit about, more about our fans' reaction to it, though, because, and I include myself, I've, I've had a bit of self-reflection around this. I don't think we can be blamed too much for our reactions, but I do think we need to, as a fan base, 
have more faith in our club. And here's why I here's what I mean about this. Soon to be 32 year old Adam Reynolds is going to the Broncos, and he's immediately lauded as captain captain material. Will take us to premiership um, glory. The signing that we need, and he's ready for the next stage. Now that's 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 a 32 31 year old player going to the Broncos. Now let me describe to you a 31 year old player signing with the Knights. Washed up. Uh, out of form, barely performs, origin rep center is going to the Knights, well, there must be something wrong with the player. So when players come to Newcastle, there must be something wrong with the player. When players leave Newcastle, there must be something wrong with the club. Whatever other people outside of Newcastle are going to say, let them say it. But when it comes to fans of the club, we need to be better than buying that. I'm not saying it's it's always wrong, but we need to be better than just simply going back to that um, fallback position of saying player in bad, player out, club bad. We've got to be – we have to have more – the, the club have shown us enough over the last two years to warrant us having more faith in them than that. We do it ourselves. You look under the comments after Barry's tweet about Lukey and all the Knights fans saying, oh, there's something wrong with the club. Yes. No, no, no. A kid didn't want to move 2,000 kilometres for a little bit more money. When he was going to get a lot more money, he was all for it. For a little bit more money, he didn't want to move 2,000 kilometres. That, that's what the problem was. The problem is the fact that Newcastle is located in Newcastle and Lukey lives in Townsville. And that was the problem. And let's be clear about something. Let's be clear about something. The club has made retention mistakes in the past, a lot of yep. them. We accept that. We, the, the number of players from our, from our region who didn't represent our club or barely represented the club, that's, that is not what we're talking about. What you and I are talking about, though, is that in a new era where we finally got um, some corporate backing, some facilities for the, t- for the club, you know, we've got players who want to be here who are high, blue-chip, high-caliber players, maybe it's time for us to start saying, maybe the club might know what they're doing. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. We need to just accept the fact that this is not the old Knights. Yes. We have got people in the right positions with the right experience. This is a whole new situation this club's in. And we have to we have to just accept that this club's being well run. They're going to make mistakes. All clubs do. As you've mentioned, Mitch, as Mitch says, as a Broncos fan, it's harder for the Broncos to get the wooden spoon than it is to win the premiership. And the club with all that power still made the mistakes necessary to get themselves a wooden spoon. Club, even the smartest people in the league make mistakes. That's yes. not the issue. We'll make mistakes. The Roosters, even the Roosters make mistakes. Clubs, clubs make mistakes. But we need to accept the fact that we're a well-run club now and that the mistakes will be few and far between and the successes will be most of the time. We can't go back to this narrative in the back of the head that says every time something goes wrong, oh, it's because we're the Knights and we'll always do this. You're spot on. I uh, and and I think um, I think Liam, thank you so much for your thoughts. Um, we we probably could have devoted several hours or several episodes to um to all of the topics you've raised. So unfortunately, we've sort of had to um. Um, breeze over them a bit but I, I think one of the things that I love the most about Liam's messages to us was 
like it's obviously passionate. No one questions whether Knights are passionate about their team. Of course, we're all passionate about our team. We show our passion in different ways. But it's thoughtful as well. Like he hasn't just sat there and reacted to something. He said, well, let's think about this and let's let's work our way through it. And, yeah, just um, Liam, mate, if you're listening to this one, you've given us some incredible content and food for thought. And I just hope that um, any fans who are listening listening to this and, you know, they're sort of feeling a bit down, have, just have a bit of faith in the club. And I need to do that. But I'm happy to do that. I want to do that. The club are doing some some great things. We've got the most highly sought after head of performance in the game, and he wanted to come and work for us. We're doing good things. So, um, yeah, just um, just have a little have a little faith, I guess. Yeah, and, and I just want to give a quick shout out to the, to Wes and uh, Uncle Phil. They're putting their money where their mouth is. Adam O'Brien yeah. saying we need this to be successful. I need this to get the best out of myself and out of my players. And Phil's putting up the cash. As we've said previously, and as our first episode was, no excuses. And and we maintain it, we maintain it at this stage. Um, this is no, but this is a season of no excuses. Um, we want to we want to see the team perform. We want to see them achieve um, success. And uh, yeah, we're not we're not going to let anything get in our way. Now we we can I just one more? We got what we wanted. We got Andrew Johns back. We got a coach with a good reputation, and he's already shown he's got a level of success. We got a head of performance that will hopefully eliminate injuries, and we got money put into the football department. We've got everything we want as Knights fans, so we need to sit back now and let the club do what they do. Oh, brother, I'm I'm excited about footy. <laughs> I'm excited about the Knights. I'm excited about the season coming. Um, it's only four weeks away, and look, you know, let's uh, let's funnel that that excitement into something not specifically. Uh, Newcastle, mate, all stars on Saturday. It was awesome. <laughs> how good was it? Like, seriously. It was great. It seriously, was so how, good. How, how good was it? It was amazing. The um, the atmosphere was, as I said, it's as good as I've ever experienced. That stadium suits that atmosphere. I don't think it suits that style of game, but it suits that atmosphere. Um, yeah, the, the noise was unbelievable. There was some great footy play. There was plenty of buffet right in front of us. We were sitting in the corner where the fights were happening. Mm. So, so we got to see, you know, got to mm. see some good, some good rugby league buffet for a change. Yeah, it was everything you could ever want in your first game of the season. I 26,000 people, I think there were, <clears throat> for the men's game. I think it was 8,000, 10,000? No, it was, was definitely there? doubles. I think it might have been closer to 12 in the women's. Yeah, it was yeah. definitely double figures. Yeah. yeah. Um. Fred, I've been to uh, grand finals, state of origins. Um, I've been to um, stadiums in Europe. Um, I'm, look, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to go with the rose-coloured glasses and say this is the greatest atmosphere I've ever experienced. Uh, I can tell you I, like, it was electric. And I had goosebumps as the crowd was uh, getting, getting – the crowds were getting behind their teams. Like – that event was everything that makes rugby league great. The ball play was enjoyable. The crowd was a part of it. And it was a true sporting experience. That's exactly what it was, mate. It was an experience. It was an experience. The whole occasion was an experience. The game, the pre-match cultural stuff, the entire th- – and credit to the NRL, they really put on a great show. And the games – both games were yeah. sensational. Yeah. You and I were, we were just absolutely drawn to the to the women's game. 
um, the play back and forth. I mean, that cutout pass by Tamika Upton to set up the first try for the Indigenous team. My God, man. There are some five-eighths and, uh, and halfbacks in the men's game who would struggle to place a pass that perfectly. It was breathtaking to watch. I've KP thrown that pass. I'd still be talking about it in 40 years' time. It was, <laughs> it was a cracking pass. Well, it's funny you should say that about KP because it, it reminded me of his pass to Tuala in yeah. the final against um, the Parama- against Parramatta last uh, last year. It was just exactly it was, it like. was perfect. Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was such a good pass, and it wasn't just the fact like she'd throw the long uh, uh, bullet out wide. Mm. It didn't look on. The girl looked marked. The pass put her yeah. in space. Yes, and that's what that's what great. Like um, I remember, for some reason, it always sticks out to me when um, Andrew Johns uh, put a centre over. I think against Wales in the two thousand World Cup semi final, he darted out dummy half, and yet his space create. Sorry, his. Um, pass created that space for his uh, outside back to just cruise over, and that it was just great ball play to watch uh, on on Saturday. Um, look, I, I want to talk a little bit more just about the atmosphere, and I sort of I come around, I come about this in a bit of a roundabout way. I I love I'm with you. I absolutely loved the pre men's game. Um, uh, ceremonial activities. Like I, I was sitting there and I had hairs on my arms standing on their heads on their ends. I mean, the energy, the passion. I had tears. I'm, I'm not you know, scared to admit I had tears. Genuine, genuine tears. At one stage, my partner grabbed my hand and said, "This is great. This is amazing." And she was right. It was amazing. And for you to be there with your family as well, it was uh, it was very special to watch. Oh, mate. Um, yeah. It meant so much to us. It meant so much to our people. It meant so much to our family. It was, it was something that yeah, we we're gonna um, really, really love and talk about for for the rest of our lives. And and I guess that's something that I that I just want to touch on a little bit is that there were a lot of people um, commenting uh, about how how amazing it was to be able to witness and experience and view uh, those cultures, those different cultures. And as a game, I want us to take that further. Like I, I want rugby league to to full, embrace fully the Maori, the indigenous culture that these players and obviously these fans. I was watching you with so much pride. Your culture, though, is more than two teams going at each other. Your culture is more than those ceremonies beforehand. It, it runs so much deeper. That is, that is but a mere, just a, a, a minor part of what you, you have to share, of what Indigenous culture, of what Maori culture have to share. It, it's so much more than that. Yeah, Indigenous culture and Maori culture, they're, they're the same in terms of it's about community. There yes. is no individual, and it's not. There's no. Not even about the family nucleus. It's about the entire community. Everyone enjoyed being there together. You know, those players didn't feel like they were out representing our people. They felt like they were out with our people. Our people were there with them. Yes. And that and that's the difference. They don't represent us. They are us. And we are all, we are all together in everything. And and the crowd were there with them. The, the, and I can't remember. I, I was probably too caught up at the time, but I can't remember which set it was off the back of. It was either the Maori break where um, uh, the hammer p- 
pulled him down, pulled the player down, or it was off the Maori kick and it sort of bobbled around and a player got taken out. Anyway, in, in any event, there was a set where the Indigenous team essentially had to do the entire set defence off their tri- off their own try line. Now, I've been watching rugby league for 30 years, and this is what happens. When a team is under the pump on their try line and they're making tackles, you sit there on the edge of your seat and you just pray that that set is going to be – you just pray that you're going to get to the end of that set. And when you get to the end of the set, you just cheer that, thank God, we made it. Well, this didn't happen. Every single tackle that the Indigenous team made, the entire stadium cheered. And they didn't just – like, they roared. And it's as you said, the crowd was with those players. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was mate. We don't see anything that we do about not only non individuals, not about small groups. It's all in. Everybody pulls in the same direction. It's what we're about. It's how we survive for sixty thousand years on the most arid, inhospitable place on earth. <laughs> This is how you survive because we are not individuals. We are not small groups. We are a massive community. And everything we do, we do together. And that's what that was. Every time someone made a tackle, we all felt we made that tackle. Yes. That it, yeah, you, you're right. It happened in the women's game too. We were defending the line to save the game. Every time, and it wasn't even just when the tackle was made. A girl might have been bumped off, but if she charged up and put her body on the line, she got a cheer, and then the tackle got cheered. Yes. Every time you put in a little bit of effort, everybody's there with you in that effort. Bretto, as to the men's game itself, because because we want to talk about the women's game afterwards, because we there were there were obviously a lot of Knights players in that game, but in terms of the men's game itself, the play itself, I, I thought uh, Adokar had a spectacular game. Um, I was impressed with what I saw from uh, Selwyn Cobbo as well. Um, Joe Tapine. And can I say something? Everyone talking about, oh, the game lacks star, star power. Well, Joe Tapine, Joe, Joe Tapine is now a star. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He's in the conversation for best prop in the world. There was some, there was some standout performance. There was... Um, yeah, I oh, just... Um, I was... I was I appreciate that the weather wasn't the best and the quality probably wasn't of the highest end in terms of, you know, players who have been playing for 20 rounds and preparing for the finals. Well, this was, this was the, their first game of the season. The quality was there to enjoy. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty good quality game of football for the first game of preseason. Guys, you know, obviously in those sort of camps, they're not really about preparation for the game. You know, it's all about more the cultural stuff. And that, so they're not preparing like an origin team would prepare. So you never, it's never going to be particularly sharp, but it was committed and there was some nice football played. So let, let's talk a little bit about some of the football before we get onto the NRL, um, the women's game. I thought when David Fafida set up uh, Jesse Ramian for that opening try, I genuinely thought that the Indigenous boys were just going to go on with it from there. Um, they didn't. They didn't cross the try line uh, for a long time after that. It was. It then became an arm wrestle for the rest of the game, and the Maori team just uh, worked their way back to back on top. 
Yeah, we really struggled to break them down. You know, obviously that try was from Fafita was all just Fafita being Fafita. You know, there was no play. There was no good ball. He just ran over someone. You know, palmed a few off, got the pass away to Jesse. He scored. The, the second try we scored was from a kick. We really struggled to break them down. And um, you and I both commented on the uh, the Sharks boys in the halves there. I don't know whether they just had a bit of an off night, but to me, if I was a Sharks fan, I'd be a bit worried. Mate, let's um, let's put the blowtorch on uh, um, Trindle and Hines. If you're a Sharks fan, can you just say first game of the season, it's pre-season, they're saving themselves, we're not worried? Can you say that? Oh, absolutely. There was a Sharks fan. Those are the exact words I'd use. Yeah. Do you think they sh- realistically should be saying that? They absolutely should be terrified. Now they're all going to say, "Well, Matt Moylan's our halfback. Well, Matt Moylan might be your halfback, but he's going to play five games." And if, you get, and if you get real lucky, he'll play eight. So, so your hearts combination is Trindle and the Gowans. So those guys have had an entire off-season together against a team that, you know, had barely seen each other. Um, and you couldn't break them down at all. That's yeah. that's a real worry. Yeah. I thought the Indigenous team looked better when Albert Kelly moved into yeah. the halves. Albert, Albert Kelly was the standout in in those uh, spine positions for the Indigenous team by a long way. Yeah. He was very, very good. We had the Albert Kelly fan club behind us, and they were loving it. Um, one last thing that I do want to mention before we move on. Uh, if Joe Tappanay wasn't player of the match, personally, I thought Cody Nicarima was a close second. I thought oh, he had mate. a great game. Cody Nicarima was outstanding. Brilliant. Absolutely outstanding. And um, yeah, that that's all bad well for the Warriors. They've they've got plenty of depth in the halves now, don't they? They do, they do. Um, off the back of the sort of rant we just had about Nathan Brown, I hope he does the right thing by the the Warriors and and plays uh, the best halves pairing. Would would a Johnson Nicarima halves pairing work? Oh, it would work really well. They they complement each other really really well. But hopefully Nathan Brown does us all a favour. It sounds Cody Dickeroo um, to Newcastle. Oh, well, look, they've, they've obviously got they've got four halves. They've got too many. Uh, Cody, uh, Chanel, Harris, Tavita, whichever one they don't want. Yeah, just, um, ab- send them, ab- absolutely, absolutely. Don't send them across the ditch. Send them uh, south from uh, Redcliffe. Mate, it, it, the men's game was a phenomenal game. But, look, as Knights fans, we were just over the moon about the women's game. Phenomenal, just a phenomenal game, and some standout efforts from our Knights players. Oh, mate, so exciting, so exciting, isn't a, it? A, a lot of those girls, those uh, the the Mary girls, the girls from New Zealand that we sort of um, recruited once the Warriors went down. Yep. You know, I I knew I'd known them and I'd seen them play and I've seen them play for the obviously for the Mary and for the Kiwi Ferns before, but yeah, so exciting just watching them knowing that. They're ours that we get to see them in red and blue in a couple of weeks. Yeah, Autumn Rain Stevens uh, got a double for the for the Maori team. Uh, none of the Knights players got over the white line for the Indigenous women's team, but uh, a Knights player did get on the score sheet. Three from three, a couple from the sideline. Kira Dib she brought did, her kicking boots on Saturday. Did not look like missing in horrible conditions. No. Did not look like missing. Yeah, and in women's football, like goals, are, are like gold. Yes. Yeah, you know, a good goal kicker in the women's game kicks at about sixty percent. If you can kick at eighty or ninety, that's a big leg up. Um, Kira Dib and uh, Tallulah Tillett. Did they? I mean, did you and I don't pretend to know 
too much in-depth expert analysis when it comes to the women's game. But would, did they sort of put on a show as the halves pairing for the Knights for round one? Well, I think the two Kiwi girls that were penciled in at the start of the preseason will probably get first crack at it. Yep. I still think that'll be the case. Um, but Kira did for me, or she'll, whether she starts game one in the halves, to me, she'll finish the year in the halves. And she looked, you know, well, well on the way back to her best. And Talula Tillett, she's had the same issue as Kira did, severely hampered by injury. She's had two ACLs. Um, she looked sharp, man. She looked real sharp. She, you know, she's a little Tugger Coleman type, you know, nipped around the ruck, chip and chase. Yeah, she, she, she certainly looked like she's got something in her. Uh, for the Maori girls, um, I wanted to see a bit more of Crystal Rhoda, but I mean, she was coming off the interchange, but she looked she looked so uh, solid coming out yeah. of uh, out of dummy half. Um, yeah, she's she's as advertised. She she's yes. just a rock in the middle. You know, she's very good at a dummy half. She's very very good in defence. Yeah, she's played exactly how we hoped she'd play. Yep. Um, the player, you and I, and we, we said this on Instagram on Saturday as well. We were like, uh, what's that? We Injured women's player? Yep, she's a knight. And lo and behold, she was, Kyra Simon. She uh, went down, I think, after a first tackle. But I think by all reports, I watched the replay the next day. I think she was just badly winded. I think she played out the rest of the game uh, yeah, without yeah, yeah. Uh, without too much issue. Yeah, I did, I did see reports. There's, there's nothing uh, long-term with that. Yeah, it was just, yeah, a footy knocker. She'll be fine. Yeah, I feel like I'm forgetting someone from the. No, I think I covered nah, everybody no, you from. You the... covered them all, mate. There's, there's, surely there's no one that uh, stood out any more than those girls. Oh, hang on, it was. There's, we've got a. I'm just looking through the props here for the Indigenous team. That's right. Caitlin Johnson is a star. She's a dead set star in the making, and Newcastle should thank every single day that she has decided to come home to play for us. She is an absolute hero, mate. What a performance. What oh, mate. a performance. It was exactly what you could you would dream of from a, a girl. Because she's, she's young. She's young. She's inexperienced in terms of playing in big games. Yep. But she looked like she belonged. She belonged at a higher level than that, I'm telling you. So I like to put my cards on the table with these things and put my hands up. I like... I thought Caitlin was a perfectly pleasant person, and by all reports, I heard great things about her. She's she certainly has a demeanour of someone who is very easygoing. Yeah, <laughs> not so much when she's on the footy park. Oh. <laughs> she 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 is the Daniel Sofini clone. Yes, in terms of you know she yes she dominates on the field and off the field she's so quiet and pleasant. <laughs> yes. She was ferocious on Saturday, and I'm talking that really good, clean, just professional aggression that you want out of your out of your leader. Um, oh man, alive did she lead that Indigenous uh, women's team from the front every moment she was on the park. Absolutely zero, zero niggle in a game, zero cheap stuff. She gets back, she runs off the back fence, she runs over people, she whacks them in the ribcage in the fence, and then she laughs about it. Like, it's it's so good to watch. Yeah, it, and it was just, that was the thing. It was it was fun 
to watch. Like you were sitting there and you sort of I, – I'm actually a fan of the quarters. I, I don't know how you feel about that. And I liked it for the men's and the, the women's game. I I like to think that I'm a fairly conservative little white kid who doesn't like change. I loved the quarters. I, I actually enjoyed just having that time to rest just for a moment during the half and uh, and get ready for another 15 or 20 minutes. Um, I think the quarters are too short in the women's game to play 15-minute quarters is too short. I would like to say the women's game to play 20-minute quarters. So yeah. for a way, a way for them to play 80 minutes, but get that little bit of extra rest because they're not quite professional athletes yet. Yeah, no, actually, I, I don't um, I don't have too much uh, issue with that. Um, but, yeah, I just – I'm so excited for Caitlin. She, surely she's she's got to be the captain. Has that – has that been announced, or is that going to be announced? It hasn't been she... announced officially, but all, all indications are, you know, all all the way to sort of you hear the club talking about things. Yeah. yeah. If she's not captain, she certainly will be next year. Maybe, maybe they give one of those key experienced keyword girls the job simply for this year. Yep. But yeah, there's no doubt if she's not captain next year, she will be captain next year. Um, I thought Bobby Law did herself um, absolute justice out there, out out uh, inside uh, Jamie Chapman. Chapman obviously got a double. Um, oh, but they were just they were just great. So, like as a as a Knights fan, season kicks off in two weeks. There's so there's a lot there to be excited about. There's a lot there to look forward to. Yeah, no, we um anyone that says that you know that we're not going to be competitive, they're not paying attention. We you know we we've got we've got representative halves. We've got a fullback that everyone sort of rates as a, a future superstar. We've got who, someone who's already shaping as being the best prop in, in the women's game. Um, yeah, no, we'll, we'll at the very least will be competitive, and I think we're going to you know give a really good account of ourselves. Newcastle are the premiers. Brett, oh, look, it, it's. Rugby League's back, and it's back in 2022, and you're excited, I'm excited, Newcastle should be excited. Our season starts in two weeks, and um, yeah, Knights fans, get out there and support your team. We wanted this team, Knights fans, let's get out there and support the girls, and not just the girls, all the teams are playing there, let's get out and support Women's Rugby League, because it's a top-level um, sporting the world, and it's one of the elite women's sports in term in terms of the uh, the level of play on the field. You know, we have to support this competition because that's what it deserves. Bredo, as you know all too well, we are part of the Sports Best Friends podcasting network. But as you also know. Not everybody is our best friend when it comes to NRL Twitter. However, having said that, late last year, I got a message from a random follower who I don't really... Like, we've interacted a fair bit, and he obviously knows that I'm a passionate Knights fan. Um, at AJ Meathan, uh, or Mithen, just reached out to me, and I just got a random message from him going, Hey, mate, do you want this? I don't want it anymore. I'm going to get rid of it if you don't. And it is a bar mat commemorative issue from the 1997 grand final and i was just like yeah how much do you he's like no no that's like i said i'm throwing it out um i'll I'll send it your way i gave him my address he sent it through it came through before uh christmas and aj i love it like that is something that will like I'll, i'll be buried with it it's it's so awesome it just it uh it captures that whole mood 
and um, but just the fact that he sort of reached out randomly, like we've never spoken to each other sort of privately before, and um, that's it. That's that's what I love about uh, NRL Twitter, and uh, that's why I'm excited to be a part of Sports Best Friends. <laughs> so I'm going to expect that that barman's going to come and have a beef put on when we have our beef for three drinks at home games. Absolutely, you'll um, you you uh, you'd be mad not to um, not to want to be a part of that, and uh, yeah, I'll definitely bring it along. Look, we'll, we'll post some photos up on the socials as well. Uh, go and check it out. Um, Bretto, we are very lucky to have a sponsor who takes very good care of us. Uh, he's, uh, his business is A-plus Contracting and Polywelding, uh, one of the Knights sponsors as well. And, uh, yeah, as usual, belatedly in our program, we uh, we want to give him a shout-out as well. Yeah, and he not only you know supports league, he supports various charities. He does a lot of work for um, autism Holds a gal, a um, nine's gala day and stuff. Um, that's close to my heart because I'm a child that is autistic. Yeah, he's just a bloody good human. So if you need anything he can provide a service in, get out and support him. Yeah. So um, we'll uh, A plus. We do appreciate you your support and um, Bredo. I think I think we might call it there. Do you want to do this again next week? Um, yeah, you can probably lock me in, mate. Well, um, yeah, why not? Chatting footy seems like a thing to do. Sounds good. Uh, look, we, we again thank everyone for listening. Look, follow us on the socials at Bay53Pod. We might leave it there. And, um, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Sports Best Friends would like to thank you for listening right to the end. You are our kind of people. Find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing. And remember, social media isn't a bad place. You just need to follow the right people.